Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. Sustainable Stories is here to bring you the stories behind sustainability in our communities. From big to small, practical to theoretical, we're exploring the people and projects that are working to make our world a more sustainable, equitable, and healthy place to live. Welcome back to the Sustainable Stories podcast. My name is Jenna Inglot, and I will be your host for today's episode. I am coming to you today from my home near Blaine Lake, Saskatchewan on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis. I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. I have with me Lee McPherson, who in both her volunteer work and her work work, describes herself as a connector and really working around that United Nations Sustainability Goal 17 of creating partnerships and connecting amazing people with amazing people and organizations to sort of fuel this change that we need to see happen in our world. So welcome, Aurelie. Thanks for being here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about today. Yeah, me as well. It's been a fun experience doing this podcast and meeting great people like yourself who during pandemic times, I probably wouldn't get the opportunity to meet. So this is great. So Orly, just to start us off, if you don't mind sharing a little bit more about who you are, uh, the work that you do, and maybe a little bit of a story around the journey that led you to the work that you do today. I had the absolute pleasure of growing up on a small prairie town called Balcaris. And we had way too much fun as kids. And um, so that's kind of where your core values get rooted in early. And then I took a bachelor of science in nursing at U of S. And, and I practiced nursing for about 10 years. And nursing really is about empathy and listening. So I honed those skills. I'm married. I've got three amazing grown children that I love with all my heart and three amazing grandchildren that bring me so much joy in my life. Um, But we also own McPherson Engineering. So Myrtle and I started the company back when my daughter was two. So we just celebrated 25 years of McPherson Engineering. And McPherson Engineering is a mechanical engineering consulting company. So we do mostly large commercial projects. Um, we started out with my husband, and I think he had, I don't even think we had a chair for him to sit on. And we clipped coupons and ate cabbage for a year to get that little company going. And now we hire, we employ 16 of the most amazing people you could ever imagine. Um, and the company um, is really doing well. So we're, we're grateful for that because COVID, a lot of companies did not land on the right side and we're just grateful. So, so you asked the question where my sustainability path started. So I can tell you the exact date. It was uh, July, June 30th, 2014. And we had a stalled rain event and we got anywhere between five and seven inches in the Copal Valley. And the city of Regina had to discharge raw sewage into the lakes. And we had 28 provincial parks closed because of high E. coli problems in the lake. And that's the moment when I put my hands on my hips 
and said, uh, we can do better. This is not right. And so that journey um, led me to just incredible people that um, that I got to know. So, so that's that's how I got engaged. But before that, I had done a lot of volunteer work. I love volunteering. So um, it was, yeah, so that's when it started. That's awesome. It's so funny that you have, I love asking people that question. Like, can you pinpoint a, a time where or, you know, where your sustainability story began. And I think you're the first person on the podcast so far who has been able to pinpoint it to a date. So that's really cool. Um, and it's interesting, those those sort of memories we have or stories we have that connected us to something that, you know, is now such a big part of our lives. Um, but it took that moment in time, right, for you to be as you said, standing there with your hands on your hips saying, no, this is, we, we need to do things better or do things differently. So that's incredible. Thank you for sharing. Um, and it's interesting. Um, I'm also a fellow Southeastern Saskatchewanite. Um, you said you were from Valcaris. I'm from South of the Capel Valley, but, um, I grew up in the community of Momart and similarly, oh. yeah. <laughs> and similarly, Momart is such a pretty, pretty town. It is. Yeah, I love it. But it's interesting. So many folks that we uh, bring on the podcast, and, and I feel very similarly connect sort of this passion that they have back to their childhood or where they grew up or like a connection to the prairie or connection to, as you said, like, you know, the Capel Valley Lakes, which is just such a beautiful region of the province. Um, and so to have something like that happen is, you know, it's a big, it's a big deal. So anyways, thank yeah. you for sharing that. That's awesome. Um, another question we we often ask, Orly, um, it, and the goal here is to really use the podcast as an opportunity um, to be a bit of a living definition of the term sustainability, because I think, uh, well, I don't think I, it, it is a, a it's a, it's a complex topic and it's a complex term. Um, and it's used in lots of different ways, um, depending on the context and depending on who is using that term. So I'm just curious if you could share a bit about, um, you know, your understanding of sustainability or your definition of sustainability, and then how you sort of incorporate that sustainability lens or that sustainability de definition into your work. Um, it's interesting that you make the comment that sometimes it's intimidating the word sustainability, which is, um, that, that's, that, that's interesting. Um, what sustainability means to me is, um, it, well, everything, it, my whole life, I'm just engaged. I'm on with sustainability. Um, but what it really embodies for me is sort of the core values of Prairie Saskatchewan. It's all about kindness. It's all about togetherness. It's all about joy. It's all about community. Those are, those are the things that I picked up, um, about the 17 goals of sustainable development. It's like, Hey, we've been doing this for 120 years. This is, um, just because of the, sort of the the harshness of our climate that that those prairie roots are in there so that's 
that's what I see sustainability as. It's just this absolute joy that it can bring on many levels to your community. Um, so the question about how do I integrate it? We have the abs. I had the because of my volunteer work, I connected with just some incredible people. And one was, uh, well, there's a whole bunch, but Wendell Star Blanket. And um, that's how we started the Blanket of Warmth project. And, and Dr. Roger Petrie always talks about asking the good question. It's Sustainability really is about asking that good question and being curious. Can we do better? And so, um, so Wendell asked us a really good question. He said, we have a lot of mold in our homes and it's impacting our health. Could you come out and have a look at it? And that's how the Blanket of Warmth started. So the Blanket of Warmth project, we are so proud of that project. And when, we, when Wendell asked us to come out to his house, we said, okay. So we went and had a look at it. And Myrtle said, yeah, we can address how, um, how the house is heated and cooled and it affects humidity um, based on some technology that we had. And it was just a so simple, simple idea, simple shift, but we changed um, the HVAC system. We gave it a real rethink. And we looked, so many people were looking at it from different lenses and they couldn't. And we, we said, hey, let's try it from this lens. Um, and so when we, when Myrtle said, yes, I think our technology can, can address this answer of, of mold in the homes. I said, well, Myrtle, I want to take on this project, but I really am curious to see what uh, using the, the 17 goals as a platform for the whole project. Well, it just blew us. So, so what that meant is I had to do a data dot and I had to learn as much as I could about the 17 goals. Anyways, the 17 goals, you know, it's, it's just, it's already there. You just have to plug into it. You don't have to try and reinvent the wheel. It's just there. And so it, it, every decision that we made on that project, we did a rethink. It's like, okay, how does this ensure, how is this good for the community? So then we said, okay, well, let's buy local. So every time we needed drywall or drywall screws, or we always looked to the community first to be, and we had no idea um, by engaging the community, the, the social and cultural confidence that we created. Had we gone and said, hey, we can get it cheaper over here, it would not have given the, the community confidence. And that's the whole thing about sustainability is you trigger, engage a community it's absolutely powerful what what you can do. So um, sustainability, it, it, I, I just want to share, it's not complicated. It's very, it's just a matter of reading it, but it's also about putting those 17 goals are always in your back pocket. So when you make a business decision, it's how does this impact well-being? Is, am I partnering? Is this addressing climate change? Are we um, 
are we ensuring that we're taking care of, we're, we're creating well-paying jobs for all and how are we not going to leave anyone behind? So the Blanket of Warren Project won three awards, no, two awards. And um, we're just so grateful we got to be part of it. That's that's amazing, Orly. Thank you for everything you shared. I, I um, similarly, so my, my work is in renewable energy and energy efficiency. And it's interesting because, um, it, well, a lot of my work is community energy planning. So looking at community engagement and working with a community to develop their vision for what the future of energy is going to look like in their community. And I think that's the big shift that that has happened was, you know, 15 years ago, when I was starting my undergraduate degree in environmental science, a lot of the courses I was taking were very focused on the science. Um, and, And maybe it wasn't being pushed, but it was definitely something I observed was that, you know, the science and the engineering and the technology on its own could solve the problem. And I think the shift over these past 10 years has really been to be no, like that's not what sustainability is. Sustainability is, is people powered. It's community powered. It's, it's people focused. Mm. Um, and, and I love what you said. I, I really connected with what you said at the start around um, sustainability. And I mean, it doesn't always feel like this. Um, but if you look at those goals and you think about sustainability, that is like, that for sure is my understanding of, of prairie people. You know what I mean? Like growing up Mm -hmm. in small town, Saskatchewan, nothing happened without volunteers. The whole community functioned on volunteerism. Nothing was paid. Um, you, you know, it was just this, these groups of people who really cared about their community and Mm -hmm. cared to make a difference for the people living in that community. And, and so, you know, if we can kind of revert back to some of those values, when we're thinking about sustainability and climate change and these larger sort of global challenges, but take it back to the community level of, of caring for each other, caring for the people around us and caring about making our communities and our world a better place. Um, yeah, I just really appreciated that you shared it from that perspective because I feel very similarly that that's um, it's just like a part of who who we are, or it definitely um, it definitely has been. So you know, maybe it's just kind of a reconnecting with some of those community focused values. Yeah, I kind of think so. Like um, it's in there. We just it kind of got lost for a bit, but it's there, and. Um, like I kind of think, you know, you know, our core values have sustainability, and even though that word can be scary, um, it's there. We just have to dig down and like that spark. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I grew up. Um, both myself and my husband grew up farming and grew up in big farming families, and um, it's interesting because you know, the topic of climate change, for example, can definitely be kind of a triggering discussion. But at the same time, when you're you're just having a conversation with with your farming family about, don't even use the term sustainability, just talk about farming. Everything that is coming out of their mouths centers around sustainability. It's thinking about 
soils. It's thinking about, oh, this, you know, especially this year, what an extreme drought many, much of the province is in. Okay, how do we plan things differently and think differently to start adapting to drought conditions that we haven't seen in, in you know, 20 or 30 years? Okay, how do we do that? And thinking about water and, and efficient use of resources and these types of things. And it's just interesting listening to them and being like, this is sustainability. Like that is what you are talking about. It might not be how you describe it in your conversations, but exactly as you're discussing agriculture and, and that what you need to do within your farming operation is sustainability. Yeah. And the same, the same thing with our engineering company is that, um, you have to be able, and I know the word pivot has been brought up a lot in COVID, but um, just as in farming and engineering, we've been throwing curveball where we've had to, to if we're going to survive, we have to adapt and change. And But it's um, one thing is education, just finding the best research, um, trying to go to the best conferences, keeping up with that really helps your business and if um so that that's one of our core values at mcpherson engineering is how important education is to our uh, but it's not only just you know education about the latest hvac equipment it's about keeping your your company um communication within the community and education about what the company is doing so it's on a lot of levels that um, education is really important. And that's where, when I had the opportunity to meet Dr. Roger Petrie and the RCE, like to say the Regional Center of Expertise on Education for Sustainable Development, if you're from Valcaris, those are a lot of words and yeah. can be intimidating. But um, it's it's just it's part of our core values and education is so important to your business be it agriculture engineering you know a doctor whatever it is you've got to keep up yeah absolutely and I was having that exact conversation um with my dad recently um and he was talking about how important it's been for him to really you know really push himself and, and be integrated in sort of the latest understanding of different agricultural practices and soils and all of this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, in his opinion, he's like, if you're not, if you're not invested in those learnings, um, it, it won't yes. take many, it won't take many years and, and you're, you're kind of falling off track or, or you're, you know, you're not incorporating those new learnings and new teachings and not that, not that the newest and best is always the best, but at least being aware of, of the changes and what's up and coming and how you can use those to adapt in a way that makes sense for you and your farm. But yeah, I think that education piece is, is so key. And, you know, regardless of the field that you're in, just sort of staying up to date on what, on what's going on and um, innovative approaches to doing things differently. And whether it's in business or in your personal life, it's, it all kind of relates back to how we start to ask the good questions and do things a little differently. Yeah. And the other thing, um, just to jump on that point is that when I got to do the blanket of warmth, I got to um, experience first nations and learn a lot about their culture that I did, even though I grew up in Belcaris and there were four first nations right beside Belcaris, 
um, it, it presented this opportunity of learning. And I think that we have to, um, like we're going into cl climate change. I used to say climate change is four blocks away. It's like, it's like now a block away. So we're, we're real close to it. But there's a wealth of knowledge that the First Nations bring to the table from living on the land for 2,000 years that we sort of um, don't really give it the credit that it should be. Um, and if we take time and, and pause and learn that, that body of knowledge, it's to everybody's, everybody's um, interest do better. And that's what the United Nations is all about. It's like, we're not leaving anybody behind. And so let's, let's all start, um, let's start respecting each other for um, the great wealth of knowledge that they can contribute to it. Yeah, for sure. And we, I mentioned this a lot on, on the podcast. Um, most of my work is with Indigenous communities kind of across Western Canada um, and it's, it's interesting because we use the term sustainability and talk about sustainability and sustainability is, is inherently indigenous. There's no, for, for yes. indigenous communities and indigenous cultures, there is no sustainable and unsustainable, like the way that their culture mm -hmm. is and interacts with the natural world is inherently sustainable. And I think exactly as you're saying, there's this often, uh, you know, oh, you know, the science or the scientists or Western knowledge in terms of our understanding of these complex problems. Um, but that just doesn't replace, like you said, for thousands of years, Indigenous people who have lived on this land um, and lived in a sustainable way, just inherently, right? We have so much to learn um, from, mm -hmm. the, from mm -hmm. the first first peoples of, of the land that we live on. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this has been, this has been such a great conversation early and I'm just really enjoying that um, we have this connection of, of being from Southeastern Saskatchewan as well, which is really, really nice, small, small town, Southeastern Saskatchewaners. Um, I'm curious. So you've talked a lot about, uh, you know, your, your, your professional work and, and McPherson engineering I'm curious if you can share with our listeners a little bit about how you incorporate sustainability or sustainable practices into your, your day-to-day -day life. Like, you know, how do you sort of take those sustainability goals or, or, you know, thinking about those sustainability goals and just the way that you live your life kind of following them? Um. Well, like I mentioned, I keep the 17 goals in my back pocket. They're always there. And so it, it doesn't matter if I, if I go to Costco and I'm buying product, I always think about those 17 goals. So it's, it's woven into my life on all levels, my buying power, um, my volunteerism, um, how we run the company. It, it, it's just it's just a platform that we bounce off of. And not that we're experts in it, but um, we really, really believe in it, it's a it, it's there. We don't have to invent the wheel. We don't have we just log into it and change and it's those small changes that you make 
that have this massive ripple effect. So um, the, it, it's just, it, it's there. Like even when we book a holiday, it's, you know, how do we, or if we're buying, you know, a vehicle, it, it, those goals are in our back pocket. And we're, we're always thinking about, okay, you know, how does, how does this affect the community? How does this affect our culture? Is this environmentally friendly? Is this, you know, the best product for the best money sort of thing? So, um, yeah, it, it's just always there. It's in, and it probably drives my kids crazy because <laughs> it's like, what do you, do you can't, you know, so I, but um, it, it's, it's always there. And I'm really proud of the footprint that I'm leaving behind that, you know, yeah. with the blanket of warmth, with um, the technology that we've developed, with the volunteerism that we've left. It's, I'm really proud of my footprint. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I really like what you said too about it being in your back pocket. And I think, um, you know, one of the biggest challenges with sustainability is our sort of addiction, if you will, to consuming and to purchasing. And I think even if you take those those 17 um, sustainable development goals and use them in in your decision making, it starts to slow down. Maybe it doesn't stop you from buying something that you need, um, but it starts to slow down this never-ending, um, you know, one-way train of of consumption and purchasing. And and if you're if you're truly taking that as a decision making tool and really thinking through your purchasing decision with those seventeen goals in mind, you may not make that purchasing decision. You may choose to to borrow something or, or, you know, use it differently, or you may choose to, to go a different direction because you've sort of engaged with that different level of decision-making in, in your purchases. And so I like what you shared there around. Yeah. If, if you're really, truly thinking of those 17 goals, it's probably taking you a little longer to make decisions, um, which is beneficial from a societal perspective, right? So, um, and a overconsumption perspective. So, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point about the overconsumption part, mm-hmm. and and that's what um, the RCE has been about. It's about responsible consumption and production, um, and so it, it, it's just there. It, you don't even once you once once it gets into your DNA, it's in your DNA. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, was it bought, was it made locally? Who made it? You know, who does the company have, you know, you start asking all those questions and it goes back to what Roger said, ask a good question. You know, even when you're doing a renovation, you know, are the cupboards being made in Canada? Are they being made in, you know, Denmark or are they being made in China? Where are those? You know, those simple things, like just start asking the good question. And mm-hmm. and the, the 17 goals gives you the tool belt to say, to ask the right question. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I like, I like that framework. So Orly, just as a, as a sort of closing off question here, um, I'm wondering if you can share with us, obviously, you know, you've, you've been working in this space and thinking about this for, for, you know, a good portion of your life. So if, you know, think about maybe others, maybe other folks in small towns, um, what sort of advice would you have or recommendations would you have for someone who 
you know, wants to be more involved in the sustainability movement, but doesn't really know where to start? Uh, yeah, um, prop, I would say start small, just start, you know, thinking about your buying power, just start there. That's a good, good way. Um, and then I think the next best thing you can do is just start volunteering. And, um, and straight up, I've been, I've been volunteering a long time. And I've been in rooms where like, I am in the wrong room. This is not working for me. So you stumble till you land on the right um, people that you want to work with. But you'll find that volunteerism gives you these skills that will make you kind of rock star at your job. Mm -hmm. And um, because there, anyways, it, it, but it also brings you great joy into your life. It brings you a sense of community and you can't, you can't put a value on that. So you, you talked about um, consumption. So I would hope that um, if somebody wants to get connected, the first thing they can do is get connected and volunteer and start being like a consumer volunteerism, if that makes sense. That would be my suggestion is, is to lean in, by starting and, and, and kind of, you know, figure out who, who you might want to work with. Yeah. And if, the, if anybody's interested in working with us, we totally would take them <laughs> and enjoy sharing time with them. If they're ever curious about, you know, helping with the water in Saskatchewan or um, yeah, we would love to connect. That's awesome. I'll be sure to share um, you know, some of the details about McPherson Engineering with this podcast. So folks kind of know a bit more about you guys and can reach out. Um, but I really appreciated that and, and that you shared kind of the volunteering aspect, because I think, you know, it gives people the opportunity to not because these are these are challenging issues. And, and it is overwhelming, especially for young people who this is going to be their whole life. They don't get to choose to to be involved in it. It's, it's literally going to shape their whole world, um, over their, the next 50 years. And so, you know, one way to sort of be engaged and have it be a fulfilling thing and an energizing thing is that, that community perspective and that volunteerism. So I really appreciated that and that you shared that. And, and, you know, I think regardless of, of, where you live or where you're at, there's always groups of community who are working on different things. You just kind of have to put yourself out there and give it a try. And like you said, mm -hmm. might, might not be the perfect fit on the, on the first mm -hmm. try, but then you try something else and, and you, you'll eventually meet the right people who, who are kind of doing that work and, and excited to have you part of it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks so much, Jenna. This has just been fabulous. Yeah, thank you, Orly. It was so nice to meet you and to have you on the podcast. And I know our listeners are going to learn a lot from this conversation with you. So thank you so much for taking the time. Okay, thank you. You have a great day. You too.
Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Sustainable Stories podcast. This podcast is hosted by myself, Jenna Inglot, as well as Roxanne Wagner from Sage Sustainable Solutions Consulting. For a full list of episodes, as well as more information about Sage, check us out online at sagesustainable.com. And as always, we welcome your feedback, thoughts, and suggestions. Catch you next time.